Hey, what's going on, people? It's Jay Good at StraightOutTheDen.com. I'd like to welcome you to the Straight Out The Den podcast. Today's podcast is brought to you by Lander. Based in Montreal, Canada, Lander is the world's first intelligent drag-and-drop instant mastering service by Mixed Genius. So uh, just for being a listener to today's podcast, you're going to get a free trial. All you got to do is go to Lander.com. That's L-A-N-D-R.com slash promo slash S-O-D-D. You go there, you're going to get two free MP3s of your master. So uh, check it out. Let me know what you think, but most importantly, let... Lander know that straight out the den sent you. Uh, today's podcast is also brought to you by Raps and Hustles. Uh, Rapsandhustles.com is a dope website. They also offer reposting services on their SoundCloud, uh, video services if you're in a tri-state area. So definitely go and check them out. It's Rapsandhustles.com. Everything spelled correctly. Go there. Let them know that straight out the den sent you. So uh, this past weekend. I had the opportunity to be a judge on um, a panel for the bar exam over at Apache Cafe. And um, for those that don't know, if you're in the Atlanta area and, and really uh, a lot of surrounding areas here in the southeast and, and even up north, you know about the bar exam. It's the premier open mic uh, series at, at Apache, and it's a monthly series, and is hosted and curated by the homie Mike Sick. Uh, of Savage Fam, and that's who we have here in the building today. So um, I had the opportunity to be one of the guest judges, and there was a pool of talent there, um, and, and some dope individuals that were in the building that we had the opportunity to hear, and um, they did a lot of great things. You know, some were good, some some were bad, uh, but for the most part, it, it was just a great pool of talent. And uh, Big Brown ended up being the winner uh, of that series, and we literally left. Apache and went straight to uh, 89.3, uh, the the remix ATL um, show, and had Big Brown up there, and we chatted with them for a while. So Friday night was a long night. I think I got home maybe like four o'clock in the morning, and had to get up um, and handle some stuff like early Saturday. So it's been it's been one of those weekends. So, uh, but we have Mike Sick here in the building today for the Straight Out the Damn Podcast, man. So hey, how you doing? I'm doing well. What's up, everybody? Cool, cool, man. So, like, for those that may not know Mike Sick, I want to give my brief introduction to how I met you. All right. Um, and what's crazy is that when I first met you, I didn't even realize the capacity of uh, everything that you did, right? So, um, I was actually one of the media sponsors on um, the Underground Railroad show. Um, right, right. And rest in peace to uh, the homie uh, Thomas Gilliard. Yeah. Um, but... I was on that show, and you you were one of the MCs on that show at the time. Uh, I think you were a featured uh, guest on there. And I just remember this dude with like this humongous beard. I think he had on like a red hat. So I still got footage from that, bro. Like I, I got to show you the on, footage. It's on yeah. YouTube. Right? Um, but I was like, man, this dude like literally killed the mic because I I just like I remember the performance. I was like, yo, this dude is dope. I don't know who he is, but this guy is dope. And that was my introduction to you. Like right. that was it. And so it, it was with bars and. Uh, when, come to find out your name was Mike Sig, I was like, okay, that's the appropriate name. You know yeah. what I'm saying? All of this. So, um, you know, it that, that's my introduction. And then to find out later on that, you know, you curate these uh, monthly shows. And you do some other things, too, which we'll definitely go over. But, um, yeah, man, what's up, man? How, like, you know, tell us about you. Like, how did oh, you man. get down here, number one? Okay. Um, well, my name is Mike Sig. Uh, I'm an MC. Uh, first and foremost, above all, above everything. Um People think I'm a promoter. I say I'm a provider. Mm. So to be clear, I'm an MC and I'm a provider. Whatever I do with these shows and <clears throat> you know anything that I curate, I feel like it's necessary for the culture. It's necessary for the scene, and I feel really blessed to be able to to do it. Um, I'm originally from Virginia Beach. 
Uh, moved around a lot. Uh, my father was in the military, so I lived in Vallejo, California, Virginia Beach, New York, a lot of places. But, you know, I went to high school and college in Virginia Beach. And uh, eventually my travels brought me here to Atlanta because um, I was looking for, for some rich soil to, to really, you know, spread my wings and fly. Or really, I should say, to stick to that, um, I guess, that analogy to, to plant some, some seeds, uh, to, to really just to... to bringing to fruition, you know, yeah. what I have in my head, which is just good quality music, um, good quality hip hop, you know, things that, that people love. And, and also, um, you know, I always, you know, coming up, I always wanted to say, man, I'm, I wish this was commercial. I, mean, I wish this was mainstream. I wish this mm. was, was heard more. And eventually, uh, that's kind of how the bar exam was born. Um, it, the show's about putting the power back into people's hands and having higher standards and higher expectations on the stage. Okay. And, uh, you know, that's kind of the principle that we operate off of. And, you know, I don't know if I could have did it anywhere else but Atlanta. So, you know, I love Atlanta. That's dope, man. And, and so I guess I want to kind of go back into, like, the genesis of you, right? Um, how, how did you even find hip-hop? Because I, I'm, I'm always interested in that story. You know, we, we all come from different backgrounds, and you say you're you're born Filipino. Mm. Um, and, I mean, there's, there's the elephant in the room. Like, dude, I don't know too many Filipino, like, people that, you know, rap, right. especially rap as well. I think you, like, really, you stand out as probably one of the very few. You okay. know what I'm saying? So for you, where did that start, like that love for hip-hop? And you grew up in Virginia Beach where I know it's like all kind of music center, yeah. but for you, where did it start? Well, with me, when I really, you know, I first like kicked the rap like in second grade when I was okay. living in Virginia okay. Beach, something like that. You know, it was around, it was on the radio. Um, and so, you know, I had tapes, I had Poor Righteous Teachers, I had Criss Cross, I had Hammer, I had... Um, Vanilla Ice and stuff like that. You know, just a kid listening to music. You yeah. know, my mom listened to a lot of 80s music, a lot of Perry Como, Frank Sinatra, um, you know, things of that nature. And so I, I kind of grew up around music. But as far as hip-hop goes, is is when I moved to California. When I moved to Vallejo, mm -hmm. California, that's when, um, ironically, like I was, I was, before Vallejo, I lived in Sonoma when I was in like fourth grade or something mm -hmm. like that. And that's when Snoop and The Chronic and all that came out. And um, I just, I was really heavy into that. And there was like another kid that was into hip hop. The rest of the school was just all, you know, white kids, mm -hmm. uh, you know, country, whatever they liked. But me and this one guy listened to hip hop, white kid listened to hip hop. And that's all he was into. So we would trade tapes and stuff like that. And that's how I kind of fell in love with it as far as, you know, the music and then the visual aspects when I seen, you know, all the Dre's videos and I seen a lot of these West Coast videos and watching the box, and, you know, I don't mm. know if anybody remembers <laughs> the, the box. box. <laughs> yeah, you know, I took was me back yesterday. <laughs> yeah, for real, I was the one I couldn't pay for the video, so I just hope somebody else paid for the video. Yeah, that man. I to yeah, see. Just, <laughs> you know, I'm like, yo, C eight, C eight. Hey, yo, just see it. Like, yeah, you just hoping like it just coming in something like Informer or something come on. Right, like, right. I swear, I saw Informer so many times on the box. That's crazy. Yeah, man, but um. You know, so when I got to Vallejo, that's when I was, I guess, kind of coming to age when I was just really, you know, I really fell in love with hip hop and what it could be, the performance aspects, the the emceeing. Uh, Black Sheep was really the first group, and and Drez uh, was the first MC where I was like, yo, this is this dude is tight. You know, he was he was different than anybody that I heard, and that's when I kind of started wanting to rap. You know, mm. um, but really, you know, to <clears throat> you know, as far as being being an Asian uh, MC or, or Filipinos in hip hop, man. What people don't understand, I guess, maybe on the on the East Coast or you know anywhere outside of California, hip hop is so huge to to the minority mm. minorities in the streets and, and minorities of like California and the West Coast. Um, it's it's a 
minority music, if you will. You know, yeah, like yeah. some of the best DJs are Filipinos. Mm. You know, because and some of the best B boys are Filipinos because really like hip hop kept kept those minorities and, and kept kids out the streets. Gotcha. You know, it was like gang activity or it was hip hop or it was something else. And a lot of, you know, Asians and what thing with Filipinos, like when we put our mind to something, like we go in. You yeah. know, like we just we don't make excuses, we work hard. And um, you know, that's what a lot of us do in the music scene. This is not that many that rap, but there are, you know, several yeah. dope Filipino MCs and Asian MCs, but you know, we just embrace it like that. You know, the West Coast is just kind of known for that, man. Just a my it's a minority music, you know. Yeah. Uh, Asians, Filipinos, Mexicans, man, we all embrace hip hop, man. Like the illest DJ crews, Filipinos. Filipino. You, know? you um like you, you mentioned like really learning hip hop or learning about hip hop in Vallejo and, and I mean, for me, I, I, I'm from the South. Like, I was born in Atlanta. I was raised in Macon, like an hour away from here, right? Mm -hmm. And so I, I know, and, and trust me, like, I grew up a Pac fan, so I was heavy West Coast, but like West Coast, like gangster music, right? Yeah. So I, I, I knew about E40 when I started getting into like No Limit and all of that, and, and seeing, you know, him kind of. The, uh, he was on Mystical's album and yeah. him and like Be Legit and all that. That, mm -hmm. that just blew my mind when I heard it. And so I started kind of following him and I knew his music, his um, background and, and him being from Vallejo. And like, but I'm hearing that like that's kind of what, but I also heard that, you know, you were listening to all kind of stuff. It wasn't just like the Bay culture. It was like everything else that what, what you were trading tapes with, yeah. with, with, your, with your homie and everything like that. So I, I want to know specifically about growing up in that space because I, I think personally, when you're not from an area, sometimes it's hard to. I didn't really have any OGs to put me on music like that. Like, yeah. it was kind of like my peers. You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? And so, um, like, I, I I listened to vinyl and stuff like that. What, what was at my parents' house? But as far as hip hop, I kind of just found hip hop yeah. on my own. You know? Right. Um, and so having somebody that was able to put that into you like that and, and pour that into it and having to be a friend, you guys can kind of learn together, but, uh, specifically for your sound, because I've heard you rap and your influences definitely don't sound West coast to me. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like I can tell that it was, you were listening to stuff that was a little more East coast to me. That's what it feels like. Yeah. You yeah. Know, so for, for the rapping portion, like how did you specifically find your sound and, and your style when it comes to rapping? Well, you know, out there in the Bay, when I, when I first, you know, started soaking up, you know, hip hop and being an MC, you're right, it was word of mouth. It was our, my, my peers, my friends put me on the game. And the mm -hmm. thing is that the the Bay Area, it, it's, it's not necessarily a bubble. It, it's kind of a bubble in the sense that like, you know, it's not like you have the internet nowadays mm -hmm. where it's like you can hear somebody from Canada. So you have a lot of hip hop lovers and music lovers that are exchanging tapes and there's so many people locally that were grinding and putting out music. See, that's the thing about like E40 and, and, and his roots. He showed people, and in his music, he was talking about being a hustler mm. and getting out the hood, you know, doing music. And a lot of West Coast cats and a lot of cats, period, back in that, that, that time, they were telling people, you know, how to get out of situations. They were putting people on the game. They weren't glorifying violence and killing and, and drug dealing like that. Like, they talk about it, of course, but then the, the, the point of their music would be like, hey, this is what I did, so, you know, don't try me. But then it's like, this is what I'm doing now, so respect me. You know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, that's what I kind of got from from E-40, Too Short, a lot of those guys. And that's the kind of game that I soaked up, you know, back then. And so, um, as far as, you know, style-wise and the evolution of myself, as far as, you know, coming from my roots from that to now, um, you know, my, my homeboy, he put me on the freestyle. And, I mean, it was like, you know, we was hanging out in the swamp, and he was like, yo, 
um, this, you know how to freestyle. And I'm just like, I just want to be down. Like, yeah, yeah, I can freestyle. <laughs> yeah, 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 I got you. I'm like, go ahead, you go first. And then he was like, I could tell he was making it up. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, yeah, then I went, then I was making it up, and then I was kind of good at it, you know, for, for a 13-year-old kid. Mm -hmm. But my style was, like, too short. You know, I always had, like, the multi, not multi-syllable, but, like, you know, I'd have five rhyming words in a pattern, you know. Um, but as that, you know, as I got older or whatever, and I guess more mature in my style, um, I eventually moved to Virginia Beach. And when I moved to Virginia Beach, that's when I started listening to more Nas and more, like, mm -hmm. Razzcast and, you know, a lot of NYC MCs. Um, and just what was just around me was people liked more lyrical stuff and more like, you know, this is what's going on right now and saying it different, you know? And so the one song that kind of like, like, <clears throat> you know, kind of changed my life in that regard is a song called uh, You and I Verse All, mm -hmm. which was Sean Price, um, Cannabis, Razzcast, and, uh, you know, Rock. So it was Helter Skelter, Cannabis, mm -hmm. and Razzcast. And that was on the Rhyme and Reason soundtrack. And then around that time, I saw the Rhyme and Reason movie and, you know, I knew about Wu and stuff like that, but yeah. being on the West Coast, like, I was more about rapping Fote and Mac Maul gotcha. and Mac Dre and gotcha. stuff. But long story short, though, like, that record, when 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 Raz said, you know, um, back when I was broke, I was good for nothing, now I'm good, now I'm good for nothing down the bitch's throat. Like, he was saying crazy stuff like yeah, that. Yeah. I'm like, oh, okay. And the cannabis was just, like, Lines killing that you it. don't understand until you get a little bit older. Like, right. Oh, okay. Right. Get, yeah, it's the visualization. Like, the yeah. way he was, like, you know, putting words together and rock, you know. They was just killing it. I'm like, yo, I want to say that. So then me and my homeboy, Sherm, who was from Florida, he was like the, the lyrical cat in his crew. He was the red man in his crew. We just like saying wild, crazy stuff in our rhymes. So from there, it was just developing how to say things new. And then M came out. I was the kid in high school trying to put everybody on the Eminem, this kid from Detroit. Like, yo, he says crazy stuff, you know. So then I always started digging for uh, for cats that was really lyrical and dope. Okay. You know, the okay. sound bombing stuff, all the sway stuff. Um uh, the Wake Up Show stuff, you know what I mean? Um, Cast Up was really nice. Crooked Eye at the time, just all of those dudes. And that was what I really clung on to because I felt that you could say so much with so many, with so little words mm -hmm. that I thought that was like the perfect style. And that's what I wanted to, to evolve to. Now, you, you mentioned freestyling, man. And, and I'm going to go on record and say that you're probably one of the best freestylers that I've come into contact with. You know what I mean? Like, it, it's one of those things where... Those that listen to hip hop and those that study, they you can tell a freestyle from a written verse is just something that you know. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? But you are able to convincingly freestyle and it can also be like a verse that can be, you know, feel it feel it feels like written, but I know it's a freestyle. And I know mm -hmm. that's confusing to y'all, but it's it he'll you'll do some stuff where you're calling out stuff around the room, but it's like in pocket, the cadence is there. It's something that I can tell that you've you've mastered how to do so. So I want to kind of go over that, like freestyling for you. Like, where did that, like, how did that, how do you do that? I, you know, that's a vague question, but I want to know, like, the steps to learning how to freestyle effectively. Like, how is that? You know, it's it's kind of one of those things. The first thing, there's certain laws, like there's there's laws of the the world, laws mm -hmm. of the universe. There's certain laws that you have to abide by, and one is is rhythm. Uh, one is rhythm, and then the other is really it's it's, it's just rhythm, and then trust in that you mm. what you're saying, and then that you can kind of let go, and then don't stop, but then take little pauses to gather your thoughts. You, when you can start getting ahead of yourself, like when you, you know, like if I'm looking, it says um, 
you know, pass. Mm -hmm. And then as soon as I say pass, certain words will pop up in your head that rhyme with pass. And then you have to trust in yourself that the foundation that you started with in your freestyle can, you can build around the word pass. Mm. Like, you know, you know, you don't get a pass around here. You know what I'm saying? Because fools got a pass around here. Mm. We take it up the gut. We don't pass around here. Running gun. You know what I'm saying? Like, then so, like, it's now. It's that like, easy right there. And that, that's just, like, what, two bars. But, you know what I'm saying? Still, though, I can, it's a skill. Really. Yeah. That I mean, it's a skill. You know, it's, it's, it's a skill that you have that uh, a lot of the, the artists that I've come in contact with just don't have that. I mean, it's just keep it. It is what it is. Right. Um, I'm also a, a fan of if you if you're not a freestyler, it's okay. Right. Definitely. You know, it's it's okay. Like that. That's honestly a skill that that takes time to master. Uh, but if you if you can't freestyle, you can't freestyle. I, right. I, I'm not gonna take anything away from you for not being able to freestyle. But for you, you can do it well, and you your pen game is sharp. Also, like I, you know, um, I, I've heard the records over time and. Um, you always seem to, to, you're talking about something, number one, and we're in a climate where that's not always the case. Right. <laughs> you know what I'm right. saying? It's not always the case. I get it. People want to have a good time, and, and, and I'll never forget, I was having a conversation with my homie, um, Jimmy Hennessy, and he, he was talking about something that, that he was having a conversation with a young lady, and she was like, you know, I can't really knock the kids nowadays because ain't no telling what I was doing in the 99 and 2000. Just and, real. you know, it was just like just talking about, you know, how we were fans of cash money and all of that. And some of the, you know, it wasn't always the most lyrical stuff, but it was the time of what we were doing. True. So for you, how important is lyricism for you and being in a climate where lyricism is not the most popular to the youth? Like, how do you find that balance to keep being a lyricist and still be relevant to so these younger cats out here. Well, you know, being an MC and, and, and writing, it, it's a craft. It's an, it's an art form and a craft. And I'm not going to go like, you know, artsy-fartsy, like art, yeah, art, yeah, yeah. art with it. But it is, it is a craft and it is a skill set. So I kind of parallel it to, you know, a writer that's uh, maybe a talented writer or maybe they write a bunch of novelty books. Mm -hmm. You know, the 99 cent, you know, romance books that you could find at QT or something like yeah. that. Like, if that was popular, right, mm -hmm. and people were buying that up, Imagine if everybody was just writing 99 cent romance novels mm -hmm. or they were just writing books because it was the most popular uh, form of uh, entertainment, like say hip hop is or music is. Imagine a writer was just writing like, hey, I write, look how good I write, 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 turn up, I'm gonna write, then I'm gonna turn up tonight. Turn up, write, write, write. Mm -hmm. You can't read a book you know, for that long. You know, it's just like, what is this? And after a while, it's just like, uh. So then what happens is they go from 99 cents to 50 cents to a quarter, and now they can't give it away. And I think that with, with good hip-hop, with good music, and just music, period, and songwriting, I appreciate the craft so much from for, for any genre. It really does stand the test of time. And, and while some music and beats are classic, it's really the, the songwriting that makes something classic and, and really takes takes you back to a place, Yeah. you know? Some music and some sounds and beats take you back to a place, but it's like you remember something that somebody said from the 80s or the 70s or something like that, and that song puts you in a place because of how it made you feel with what the person was saying. I think that's so important. That's that's what's really going to um, stand the test of time and, and, and define classics going forward with hip-hop, man. Yeah, absolutely. With standing the test of time, that's really what it's about for me is to like, like you say, you can make those records that are going to be great in the moment records. Like, mm -hmm. you know, and, and 
I recently picked up DJing, and one thing that I've learned about DJing is that at one given point of time, you can put on a record that everybody remembers, and they'll go crazy, and they'll have mm-hmm. a good time, because it was a moment record, right? Yeah. But on the same token, there's a record that I can play in any setting at any time of day, and it's still going to give you that feeling. Right. And that's the definition of crafty and, and great songwriting. Like it's, right. It not only feels that emotion, it feels like, Across generations, like yeah. my grandmother's gonna love it, mm-hmm. my mother's gonna love it, mm-hmm. I'm gonna love it, my child will love. You know what I'm saying? It's like right. it's just Michael Jackson is the perfect example of that. Frankie Beverly Mays, like right. those are perfect examples of those. Even Jay Z, Nas, like those, mm-hmm. you know, those artists. Um, trying to contrast between hip hop and um, R and B, I'm gonna go like on the R and B side, and this is something that I always like to ask lyricists. Um, for you, you know, you're a rapper that in rap we tend to put a lot of words into a song. Mm -hmm. It just, it happens. But there's also an R and B, somebody can write like a 10, like a 10 word verse. Yeah. And it gets the same point across. Right. For you as a lyricist, man, like how does that make you feel knowing that I can do 10 words in a song and it still triggers the emotion. But for me, I got so much to say and they put it out in like, you know, I don't know how many words, but you know, in the 16 bar verse, that's full of with full of words. Like why why do you think that it's so different in hip hop versus in R and B? You know, I think uh, hip hop is uh, there's an evolution, or you could even, some even say de evolution as far as the, the 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 content and what's actually being said in rhymes. Um, you know, me personally, to you know, to my taste, I think you know the the perfect. You know, perfection or, or when it comes to writing, the more that you can say with the less amount of words, the better, at least to okay. me, you okay. know. So, you know, that's what I love about reggae, you mm-hmm. know, like when uh, I forget the name of the song, but when when they say like, hurry up and come back was the last word she said to her son before his life was taken. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, that's that's so crazy. You don't have to like write a 16 bar verse about how he left the house and then, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then his mom said this and then he didn't come back. Like, so when you can like, you know, compress those thoughts and feelings into, you know, a bar or two, I think that's, that's perfection, man. And, you know, as far as hip hop, I think is I think it's getting to that point. But the thing about hip hop though, is that, you know, you could take that one thought and then you can stretch it to like 16 bars or to a whole song. And then it, that really shows the skill of an MC that can take that one thought or that feeling and do something that nobody would even think of and that's yeah. that's the beauty of hip-hop like Nas does that with rewind he does a story going backwards um you know yeah we, um, rewind yeah. we we know about that yeah that's one of Nas greatest records to me like this, definitely just the idea of telling a story backwards right and it makes sense you yeah. know what I'm saying like that's that's yeah it's, it's mind-blowing man it's, it's mind-blowing so you know um I want to kind of get into like what you're doing now, right? Uh, you you made the move from Virginia Beach down to Atlanta, um, and you said you've been here for how long? Like maybe what was it? Four years. Four years. Yeah. So so, and and you were down here kind of looking for opportunity and, and just really a place to to, a free space to kind of do what you what you were doing, right? Right. When did the idea of the bar exam come to fruition? It kind of came into play like before I even came to Atlanta. Like I had an idea of. The bar exam, pass the bar, pass the mic. Mm-hmm. Um, I know Royce the Five Nine. His uh, his tape series was called the Bar Exam. I always thought that was a cool name for a tape. So it's kind of like you know he made it a hot line. I made it a hot song type mm-hmm. of thing. Where it's like yeah, I made it a hot tape. I made it a hot show. Yeah, you know because you know I think it was for the culture and that's that's always 
my standpoint, my position is that pass the bar, pass the mic is so necessary. And um, if I could just make that happen, I think it would be dope. And so I had the idea in California. It was kind of sitting marinating when I got out here to Atlanta. I helped a homie curate a show who was coming from California that was stopping through Atlanta. Mm-hmm. I had never threw a show before in Atlanta. Um, I threw some in Virginia before. But I called some friends, some cool people. I had a venue connection my homie had put me on to. They came aboard. We all just you know, came together to put a show together. And it was pretty dope. It was called um, The Vintage Tour. And we had some dope MCs on that. Gold Yard uh, was on that. Um, Mike Bars, ATLian Workshop, Big Rack Fiend. Um, a couple other cats. It was Timothy Rhymes tour. Mm-hmm. A cat named Timothy Rhyme, 60 East, um, based out of uh, San Bernardino in LA. But um, yeah, and then from there it was like, you know, and the thing with that, and everybody knows it. So this isn't public, you know, uh, this is public information, or at least everybody involved. I didn't make any money on mm-hmm. that show, and I didn't go into it trying to make money though. I was like, okay, I got this venue. Let me work on these relationships. Let me just bust my ass for other people. And then learn from this experience and see what I could take from it. Mm-hmm. And then I went into it with that mindset. I went in, like, you know, some of the guys I was working with, my homie Maurice, that's my dude, he didn't know what a cipher was. Mm. But he had the venue connection. So he had the connection. So it was like, okay, so I kind of, t- you know, took the ball and ran with it. And I was like, well, some of these cats don't know what hip hop really is. So it was my responsibility to kind of instill that and then, you know, really put a good hip hop show together. And then once I did that, you know, we was leaving. And I'm like, you know what? I can, I can do this show that I've been thinking about. I can do the bar exam. You know what I mean? And I went to Apache and talked to the owners. It's probably only the third time I've ever was at at Apache Mm -hmm. before. I like rhymed one time. I think I did exposure, lost, and then I came back. I was like, yo, I'm going to do this show. And then, you know, I think they believed in the vision. And, you know, from there, it's it's been history since then. Yeah, man, absolutely. It's one of those things that you said was so important to me was that you went into it not worrying about the money aspect, right? And I think the thing is – from from a provider, I'm gonna use your word from a provider standpoint. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of times, people don't know about that type of sacrifice. Like they don't know about the going into a situation to learn, as opposed to like trying to get rich. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Because the money, as you found out, the money will come once you establish the brand and, and establish something that people can't live without. You yeah. know what I mean? They feel like the Barzam is one of those. I feel like any artist that's coming from out of town or you know have uh, getting their start is probably the best start that you can get. Like you're gonna get this, but you're gonna have, you know, two to three judges on the panel that are influencers in the city. Right. Like you're you're gonna have that. So that's the first thing. So you're gonna automatically have that exposure. You're gonna have some people that just show up there that is about the culture that's gonna walk up to you and really talk to you and can really make some. You know, I'm just looking at Big Brown, right? The, he won. Uh, the one that that I um, was on the panel with, right? Mm-hmm. So, winning one time, he was able to go to the studio. He was able to, uh, I think, what they're shooting videos, like mm-hmm. everything. Oh, yep. you gonna shoot, shoot a video? Yeah. Um, he got an interview at eighty nine point three. He he was actually my Sunday spotlight artist um, on Straight Out the Den yesterday. Dope. That Dope. feature. We're gonna have him on the interview tonight on the Good Hennessy show. So it's just like. He came to Atlanta, won this thing, and he's got like five like different things that have happened in a matter of a weekend mm-hmm. that's going to create some major exposure for him. So it's like, it's obvious that, okay, it, the value is there. The value is built in, and, and you've created this to, to work. Um, what kind of pitfalls or, um, I guess, obstacles that you had to come into play to really build a brand to where it is now? Um, I think, uh, man... 
you know, I'll I'll say in general, a lot of people, the the reason why they fail is that they just stop doing it. Mm. And I never stopped. And so some of the pitfalls or obstacles or or most trying times really just came just in with my personal life. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? By making the sacrifices and committing the time to build the brand and do this show. Um, you know, the first time I did the bar exam, it was at L, you know, you know, the, my promoters made more money than me. Everybody made more money, made money, mm-hmm. but me, but I was like, okay, let me reorganize and get back to it. And then since then, you know, it's, it's, it's been cracking. And so, you know, so the, again, so I didn't stop. That was, that was one thing. And then everything else was, <clears throat> you know, everything else took a hit and it still, it still does to this day, you know? So I lose sleep. I mean, you yeah. know, I lose sleep. I have to sacrifice that. Sometimes I may not eat right. Sometimes I may not work out one day, you know, yeah. so those type of things. So it's just a matter of trying to get things in order and, and, and being organized with your time. Um, you know, I think uh, one thing that, that has come up every so often and, you know, it, it sometimes it, 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 burn, it burns me. It, it, it burns the back of my mind sometimes. I think about it and I, I have to go out my way, at least I feel, to preserve relationships sometimes because you know I'm so I'm so hungry I'm humble people know I'm humble but I'm also hungry as mm-hmm. well and then I have a focus I'm have focus concentrated ex- effort I, I try to concentrate excuse me I try to um, execute around priorities um, I have a vision for things and sometimes you know some of the people that were there in the beginning they're not here now or and then sometimes they feel away mm-hmm. or sometimes you know people want to do something now and I'm like no you know I can't do that and then they feel away, and then they're like, "Oh, well, Mike is this, or what's up with that, or he ain't show no love." And then even artists, you know, some artists they're not they're not uh, confident within themselves, or or whatever it might be. They might just be in their feelings, so they didn't win the bar exam, and they're like, "Man, that's some bullshit. It was rigged, or something mm-hmm. like that," you know. Um, so, and because I'm just my personality, I want everybody to be happy, you know. So I try to go out my way and talk to people and be like, "Yo," and try to put things in perspective. And what I've had to come to come to realization and what I tell people all the time now is that there's nothing that I can't do for you that you can't that you can't do for yourself. Absolutely. It's it's not about what this opportunity can provide you, it's what you can do with this opportunity and how Absolutely. much you can take advantage of it. Um so I, I I'm pretty straightforward with that. Even with Pastor Bar, Pastor Mike, I'm like, yo, if you got a problem with this, if you don't understand it, you can fall back. I'll give you your money back. Mm-hmm. I don't want anybody feeling away. Okay. You know? So um you know, but I mean, other than that, man, I, I really think uh, nobody's, if, if a door was shut in my face, I kicked it in. Mm-hmm. If uh, somebody said no, I, I found somebody else that said yes. Um, and now it's, you know, I, I had to do whatever I had to do to make it pop off, you know, and I'm very grateful for everybody who's ever helped me and anybody helping me now. Now I'm at the point where it's like, now I know I have this thing and this responsibility mm-hmm. and this accountability. So who do I work with? How do I work to preserve that, to elevate game, to really, really continue to make this for the culture? And that's why I'm glad to have dope sponsors and work with dope people like yourself, ATL Remix, Salem Song Studios. Because now I know like if I bring somebody to Salem Psalms, AJ and them are going to take care of them. They're mm-hmm. going to do the session. They're going to do great work. And they're also going to open up the doors um, across the nation with their connections as well. Like a cat named... Uh, uh, Damon Tyrell, he had won the bar exam a couple months back, and uh, Dead End Hip Hop, who's one of our sponsors, really uh, took to him. They play his music and they really rock with him. Machine Masters did a a, um, a, a joint called On the Spot, a YouTube video where the producer makes something on the spot. J57 mm-hmm. did a beat that had Damon Tyrell up there, and then they do a little joint, 
and it got like 50,000 views on YouTube, you know, and that all started with the bar exam, yeah. you know, but that wouldn't be possible if it was just like, hey, I'll go pay for your studio time, two hours, here's, you know, whatever, here's $100 and just go to the studio and do a mm -hmm. song. Now it's about working with great people that can elevate game and have the same, at least part in the same vision. And, and, you know, that brings up a point that I want to speak directly with you about because, like, I've been on record and those that know me will can almost quote me when I say that I'm not the biggest fan on artists paying to perform, right? right. Um, I just, you know, I have my views on it. But one thing that I've noticed is that most people that pay, that charge artists to perform on their shows, they don't have value, mm -hmm. right? It's kind of like, Oh, just an opportunity like, you know, you know, 30, 40 bucks or whatever, get on the mic and you're going to perform in front of 20 other artists that, that paid. And, you know, that that's it. And at the end, if you win, you win. You know what I'm saying? It's kind of like it's not even a, a win situation. It's kind of like, oh, you know, this is just what we, you know, charge for you to perform. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I'm not the biggest fan of that. I know with the bars, that's not what's going on. Like we say, we have the, the sponsors in place and, you know there's value in the show uh for you is there any could, could you explain that i guess for, for those people that because i there's no way that i could have a conversation here and not bring up you know paying for shows type right. thing so i, I do want to have that a conversation with you about that somebody that you know you do charge these artists to perform but it's like hey this is my value so you know kind of talk about that you know it's, it's interesting man because i'm an artist first and foremost above everything else and then i'm also a, you know a provider and curator for the show, so I understand both sides very yeah, well. I understand yeah. both arguments, and the the first thing you got to remember, artists should remember, is it's all about value per, and perceived value. And sometimes mm. you can only assess that value your, with your own personal and professional assessment. Mm -hmm. um, so, um, you know, it, it's. It's just one of those things, man, like, just speaking for myself personally, man, I, I try to be as personable as possible, as professional as possible, and as cool as I can be. And I let people know, like, look, once you do one of my shows, you family to me. So if I can ever be of assistance and it's something that makes sense for me to do or whatever, just mm -hmm. let me know. Just reach out. You know, I'll retweet. I'll reshare. You know, I have a hashtag bar exam alumni. If somebody drops something, I'll share it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, hopefully... You know, my name gets bigger, my, my brand gets bigger, and then when the next time I share something two years from now, you know, and if my name is bigger and brand is bigger two years from now, it might have a retweet might have more of an impact. More of an if impact. I, if I share your video on my website, maybe my website, the numbers have, have gone up, mm -hmm. you know, maybe they'll have more of an impact, you know. So, well, I can't promise anybody the world or promise that it'll change your life because, again, you know, you, it's not about what I can do for, for them. It's what they do with the opportunity. Then I think that that's all I, I, I really can do. So yeah. from, a I guess, a quote-unquote pay-to-play standpoint, it just depends. Like, I can say this, though. Like, if you're paying to play, um, make sure that you're being promoted. You know, make sure that, you know, your name you is go. on the flyer. You're a part of the marketing mix. There, there you go. There you go. You said, you, you said what, I, what I was hoping that you were going to say because that is what doesn't happen. Mm -hmm. What doesn't happen is, you know, you, you might have a name on the flyer, which that's cool. But I know personally that for you, you go above and beyond with any artist that's going to be on the show. Like yeah. there's a, there's a personalized flyer, uh, more than likely that's going to be created. There's emails that's going around, like constantly mm -hmm. telling people like, Hey, this is the show going around. Uh, they're treated like family once they get in that building, all of that stuff happens. So 
I get it. You know right. what I mean? I understand it. But for the general public that may not know the behind the scenes things that, that go on, I think it was important for you to say that, like, included in the marketing mix, because that doesn't happen a lot. Yeah. I mean, you know, sometimes you got to look at shows. It's just one aspect of your careers of your career. And and you have to invest either time or money. That's part of my mm-hmm. mantra. What I live up to is like, do I have time or do I have the money? I have to invest one of them. And I don't try to float in the middle, mm-hmm. you know, so like me personally, like I, I wouldn't have I played to play. I don't think I've ever paid to play. I mean, I've I've paid to like, you know, pay an admission fee or whatever, like yeah, an entry yeah, yeah. fee. I've done that like bar exam. I look at yeah. that as an entry fee versus um, paying to play. But before I pay somebody two hundred dollars to, to do some show or whatever, I'm an MC. I'm going to go to the show. And if I want to, I could stand on the bar and I can rap and I can get more of an impact than me being on that stage for five minutes at five o'clock in the afternoon mm-hmm. if I wasn't promoted and nobody's there. Yeah, absolutely. I'll go in there and network because I know the value in that and I know what I'm getting into. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, you, artists had to assess the situation at hand, even from A3C to South by Southwest and these festivals. And when people you know, curators would go to South by Southwest and say, hey, come pay this much to perform at South by Southwest when it's really not at by South, South by Southwest. It's at a stage during South by Southwest. Correct. You know, like with A3C, if I do something that's not official A3C, I don't wave they, yeah. they logo around. I don't do that because yeah. I respect those are my friends too. Those are my, yeah. my, my peers and people I look up to. So I respect their business. I'm not going to put their logo on my stuff and say it's an A3C thing. Exactly. You're just taking advantage of the crowd that's going to be here. Like, hey, there's a show. Right. I'm curating a show. It don't have nothing to do with A3C. Like, right. And I get that. Right. You know, that it, it definitely happens. You know, I've even been in situations like that where I had to personally walk away and even have conversations with people and tell them like, hey, I'm down to work an event during that time. Just don't put their name on it because they don't have anything to do with this show. Right. They're not going to get paid off of it and we're not going to get paid off of them having any involvement so right. the people are going to be here just promote the show and, and get the people that you know there's always going to be stragglers that are not you know downtown or whatever like get them to go where they need to go right and that's why you know ultimately you want to work with good people and you want to be a good person yourself especially Absolutely. when you're putting on a show or you have a platform you have a higher level of accountability and responsibility i mean i had this saying as well and this is what i kind of try to live up to as best i can because nobody's perfect man mm-hmm. like even if somebody is doing a pay to play a curator and i know them personally and they're trying to get something off the ground and that's their way to build capital to launch their brand like i don't knock them for doing it mm-hmm. it's like okay do your thing and then i'll watch it majority sometimes it falls off you know but a lot of people stay at it and it's like well i know you're a good person so i'm going to give you the benefit of a doubt for the sake of the conversation and i know you're probably going to try to do great things and i, mm-hmm. I hope you do and that's my mindset and supporting other people um but the saying that i try to you know live up to is that you don't you don't want to be the beast that you're trying to slay yeah. You know, I started right. this because I wanted it to I wanted hip hop, I wanted music to be a certain way. And, you know, <clears throat> when you're young and you're naive, or you're coming up, people are like, Man, this is the pay anti pay to play coalition and there's all these things <laughs> and these standpoints that you take, but then as you mature and you realize and you mature in business and, you know, as a person you realize like some things aren't as black and white. So it just comes down to being the you know, a good person. Mm-hmm. So you know, don't become the beast you're trying to slay, but then understand that it's kind of like in Dark Knight. It's like you you live long enough to become the villain. Yeah. And it's like sometimes it's it almost feels like it's inevitable because people are going to have their own views and opinions that aren't as mature as somebody else's. So at the end of the day, man, you just got to walk with your head high and just try to be a good person and be good to people. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I know we're, we're pressed on time, man, but... Um 
I did want to, you know, kind of talk about a few of the artists that were at the bar exam uh, this past go round, and, sure. and really just get your opinion on uh, what was going on. Like, of course, we had Big Brown was the winner. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that the the artists that stood are like independent from Chicago. He really stood out to me. Yeah, he was dope. Um, I, I really like independent and um, uh, protege. I like protege a lot, and I believe yeah. the uh, what was the guy? Was it Romeo DiCaprio? Was he like one of the finalists? I um, think. I think the other finalists was the finalists were Big Brown, mm-hmm. Independent, um, Protege, and then it was E Step and Activist, and then Black Movado was the other Black guy. Black Movado, that's the guy yeah. I was saying. Yeah, Black Movado, he was um he was dope. Like he had that he was talking about something, he had that edge. I just think like, you know, it was a few things that he had to work on, but he's gonna be one of those artists that he had he I mean he had a fan base there, you know, absolutely that. But uh just a little you know, just a little few things to work on. And and the one thing that I really loved was that the artist, for the most part, took the advice, you know, and, mm-hmm. and was like, they didn't get in their feelings. You know, mm-hmm. a couple of artists did. Of course, you know, that's going to happen. But True. for the most part, they were like, okay, cool. Like, you're right. Like, one artist, and, and I keep forgetting his name, but he had a dope storyline. He had on all white, tall guy. Oh, yeah, Tall Dash. Tall Dash. Um, and I, I told him specifically, I was like, man, just look down. You didn't move from that spot. Right. Like the whole performance, you stood right there and didn't move. And I was just like, from a stage presence, it was boring. Like we yeah. need you to, you know, be involved on the stage and get everybody else involved and move around. And but you know, those are things that honestly, a lot, people probably never told them. You mm-hmm. know, and, and you know, that's why I, I feel like the Barzam for one is very valuable and important because they may never would have heard that. You right. know what I'm saying? Like, right. they could have kept yeah. going thinking like, oh, this is the way to go. Yeah, I'm going to pay to play. And yeah, then, yeah. you know, I'm going to keep doing these shows yeah. and nobody's trying to help me get better. Absolutely. If it's needed. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, true indeed. Yeah, Tall Dash was, um, you know, he was on his, his A game. He sent his press photos in. Mm-hmm. Um, all of that, he sent links to the music. And um, he knew what he was getting into. A lot of artists know what they're getting into. It's a, I'm not going to call it a gift and a curse, but some people, some artists don't do the bar exam because they don't want to be judged. If they, mm. they think they're, they're, too good to be judged, cool, or, you know, for the sake of the conversation, like, they just think that they don't need that. And that's fine. And some people are like, you know, they don't have a show track. They rap over their vocals, so they don't want to do the show. I'm like, fine, that's cool. You don't have to do the show. But mm-hmm. if, you, if you're going to do the show, this is how it's going to be, and these are the rules. And I think a lot of people, knowing that that's, it's that clear from the jump, they know what they're getting into when mm-hmm. they respect it. Like, Royale, that was his second time. And um, he told me, he was like, man, I'm, I'm a better writer. I'm better in the studio than I'm a, I am on stage. And when I get on stage, I kind of get a little nervous. You know what I mean? I think he's been asked to pass the mic twice. But you see, he came back and came tried back. to pass the bar. Yeah. And that happens a lot of times. Even E-Step and uh, the, the two white dudes, E-Step yeah. and uh, Archivist. E-Step, um, I think he passed the bar last time. But he came through. He just wanted to have a good time. And then, yeah. he, you know, he talked to all the artists. You know, they had a good time. They turned up. And and they made it about the crowd and about the performance. A lot of artists are so self-absorbed, they don't yep. know how to get out of their own minds to entertain people. I was telling you, those two guys, man, like, if they keep at it and keep keep working, they have something special. Yeah. Because right now, I would be comfortable putting them in front of 20,000 people. Right. Like, today. Yeah. And, and even though they, they're, they're not, like, you know, lyrically, there's still some things that, actually, lyrically, they were they were pretty dope. But there are some still some things like to work on like you know breath control and and you know how they want to present their their self to the stage and stuff like that.
But as far as entertaining, they were entertaining. And I guarantee that they could rock a crowd of 20,000 people yeah. like it's nothing. And even if they couldn't, they'll go out there and give it their all and wouldn't worry about that as 20,000 people. They wouldn't freeze up. That's right. what I'm saying. So um, I think those guys really have something going if they keep at it. You know what I mean? Like I really can see something special for them. Um, like I said, the artists there, were, were, it was definitely a, a nice pool of talent. Um, and, you know, ultimately, Big Brown. I, I told uh, Independent and Protégé, I'm going to reach out to them because I really like what they were doing. Yeah. Um, as far as, like, you know, just they were, they, they were good performers, you know, at the end of the day. They were definitely good performers. Yeah, they were clear. You can hear every word that they were saying. Um, they were hungry. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what the crowd likes, man. They like people that sound like they're supposed to be there, yeah. you know, yeah. and, and that are clear in their delivery. And the, the hungriest MC usually is the one that wins, mm -hmm. you know. Um, and Big Brown, he just came through and he just came with it. Yeah, you know what I mean? He was he clear. He had a, a you know, a, a hulking stage presence, you know what I'm saying, being a big dude and just really commanded it. And, um, but that's, an, you know, to your point though, that's another thing, um, was dope about the bar exam is sometimes you just got to show up, yeah. you know, <laughs> even the winner doesn't win, you know what I'm saying? Like yeah, well, yeah. everybody wins kind of, you know, yeah. like even people that didn't make it out of a round, like you, you go there to network, you meet the judges, you meet people that are there and it's about what you do with the opportunity, man. So Absolutely. that's real cool that you reach, that you'd be reaching out to independent. Oh yeah. Yeah. And, and yeah. Man. Man. I, I, appreciate I, I that. definitely make sure that I do that. Uh, there was one guy and, uh, I, I have his business card and I have his contact, um, but he was like, hey, man, um, you know, I know you guys, you, you didn't particularly enjoy the, the, the performance, but I'm also a videographer. I do some other things and mm -hmm. I'm willing to work. Whatever you guys need me for, here's my contact. Oh, yeah. Let me. That's what you got to do, man. You yeah. got to do that because truth be told, for anybody that's in hip hop, anybody that's rapping, anything, you know that there's a expiration date on your career. Mm-hmm. It's all about building your brand so I can transition and do some other things. Yeah. And if you're somebody that's multi-talented, like most people are, like, I don't know too many people that just rap. Like, you more than like 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 yourself. Like, you're a rapper. You, you, you're curating shows. I think you do graphics, too, on the low. You're probably not telling anybody. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But do graphics. I don't want nobody to call me for you, you graphic design work. That's you know what, what I'm saying? Yeah, I do all the like, flyers. Yeah, all the flyers. Like, I, I peep game. You know what I'm saying? So you're doing all of that stuff. And it's like. I'm Asian. Yeah. It's. <laughs> those things but you know it's like you're multi-talented so yeah. it's like it's one of those things where you know what if something starts to fall back i can pull up on something else you know yeah. and that's the thing it's like hey you don't have to just be an artist like whatever you, you're creative is what you are if you got something else going on cool we may not have a need not might not have a need for this but we need a need for this right come over here and holler at me, you know and, and that's what it's all about that networking so yeah i, I think that's very important um we gotta wrap up no doubt but before you get out of here, I know there's a couple other shows that you curate uh, on, on a monthly basis. So tell us briefly about those shows and also um, how people can connect with you and, and all of that, that stuff. Yeah, um, SavageFam.com is, is my website for all events, opportunities, uh, music from myself and a lot of the artists that hit my stage, the homies, friends, whatever I feel like posting. Um, SavageFam.com is where you can find that at. Um, I do the bar exam every fourth Friday at Apache Cafe, and when I can take it around the country, um, you know, I pick and choose. So uh, just follow myself, M-I-C-X-S-I-C, -I -I and Savage Fam Pro on social media for those dates, at the bar exam on Instagram, at bar exam open mic on Twitter. I also have the freestyle experiment, which is uh, every first Tuesday at Apache Cafe, and when I can, I try to take that on the road as well. Um, the freestyle experiment is a live music jam session with a band, all original material or freestyle. We have producers in there. Um, we do the producer challenge. Featured artist Sonic Bids is a sponsor at that. Uh, we take um, Sonic Bids submissions uh, to get our artists booked on the show to pay them. Um, 
And other than that, um, you might catch me hosting uh, here and there around the city, um, you know, working on some events with uh, some other notable curators and, and production companies. Um, but, you know, headed headed into um, October, man, it's all Savage Fam, everything. Mike Sick, everything with the music. I just did BET One Shot. Um, you saw me, you know, on, on BET. So we're just trying to take it from there to see what kind of opportunities uh, can arise, you know, from that um, with me as, as an artist as well. I'll be on the Wake Up Show or by the time this airs, um, I'll be debuting a record with Fiend and South Boy, produced by Smitty Boy, on the Wake Up Show. Um, so that was a, a crazy look. And I'm just looking forward, man, to really just leading by example and, and lighting the fire under the artists that need to be heard, man. So, sure. you know, if, if you, if you, you know, running with it, if you nice with it, I applaud you. I wish nothing but success. And, um, you know, if you're not, if, if you, if you're not or whatever, or if you need some motivation, you know, I, I want to lead by example. And, uh, you know, hopefully we can all get there together. That's dope, man. That's dope. But look, bro, I appreciate you coming on the show, man, just to share some insight um, and, and really setting the bar. You know what I mean? Yes, setting the bar. Setting yes, the bar for, for what's going on. And, and um, I know people learn something today. So, you you know, you're always welcome here in the den, man. Anytime you have anything that you want to work on or anything you need my help with, I stand a hand to you. So, Thank you are, we, we know this. This is just us talking on on um, on the microphone, but he knows that, and, and I definitely know that. So, uh, yeah, thanks again, man. Um, we're definitely going to do some things in the future. But um, as you guys, like I always say, man, if you have a dream, pray on that dream, research that dream, and work until that dream becomes a reality. With that being said, I'm Jay Gutter, straight out the den. He's Mike Sick. We out. This episode was brought to you by the Indie Creative Network. So, hey, we're not quite finished. Um, have an opportunity to do something completely different here on the podcast. This is something new, something that we've never done before. But uh, you heard us talk about Big Brown on the uh, podcast here with Mike Sick. And we had the opportunity to premiere a new record um, from Big Brown, Mobile Zone, Big Brown. Uh, and the record is called Rain Man. He actually recorded this at Salem Sum Studios. So shout out to AJ there. Um, and we get a chance to premiere it here on the Straight Out the Damn podcast. So you guys enjoy. Let us know what you think. Brown. Yeah. Yeah. Can't stop. Won't stop. Uh. Yeah, I know what the fuck going on, man. Yeah, I already know what it is. Big Brown. Brown. NBA jam, can't y'all know what the fuck life. Uh-huh. I got it. Uh, yeah. Underdog, no rain, man. But I'm your wing, man. Slamming on the competition, I'm the rain, man. Triple H, I'm the game, man. You lost like a motherfucker. Freelancing in these streets without a game plan. Some things you can't stop. Like in a drop, 5K, they coming with it like they fine for a flop. Uh, rise to the top, uh, cream of the crop, good to survive. Better when you surviving with a knot, uh, break her off from time to time. But you remain with it, toss it back like GP. Let me do my thing with it. I fade one of you rap niggas, ain't talking all temp. Forty slam one of you fuck niggas, I'm talking Sean Kemp. All green, supersonic, sour, extra large hemp. Hard body, bet your friend can't use no extra large dent. Better know it like Dinelli say, you know the better play. Little nigga, I'm big time, big money, heavyweight. My life real, so my Instagram, it don't do no numbers. I love freedom, and 12 be trying to take it from a sick. You must be vaccined up, cause you can't get the virus. I'm all bars, and you ain't got no liquor license. Don't go broke, I only holler when they pay me dead stop. Sean Kemp's bitch, I'm kamikaze, crazy rain man. I'm only coming when they pay me dead stop. Sean Kemp's bitch, I'm kamikaze, crazy rain man. Bitch. Oh, uh, can't stop, won't stop, stop, won't stop, I said I can't stop, won't stop, it's the rain man, can't stop, 
won't stop, can't stop, won't stop. One time, Big Brown in this bitch, King Tune, Life. Yeah. Can't stop, won't stop, can't stop.